for everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't you just give the Lord a good hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. He is worthy. Oh, I feel him in this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Booker, for that introduction. I really don't even feel worthy of that. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to the invitation to be here this morning to speak to you. Uh, I am humbled by that. Uh, I'm flattered, I guess uh, I might say, but I don't take it lightly. Uh, I'm just honored to be here, and I want to give to you what I feel like God has laid on my heart for us today. I give honor to all the brethren, the ministry brethren here, uh, the executive council. Thank you so much for your vote of confidence in me today. Uh, Thank you so much for all the hospitality. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Good to have my wife and daughter with us today. God bless them. Good to have some Christ Temple saints all the way from Gina. Amen. Brother Jason Ashley and his wife, Sister Kim, their daughter, Sister Becca. She graduated from Hope Corps last night. I guess Brother Jason is one of the uh, friends I've had the longest in my life. Brother Jason, raise your hand. Show everybody who you are. He and I got the Holy Ghost on the same night. We were 1984. And uh, we have been best of friends for many years, and I appreciate them. Brother Cade, Sister Paige, Posey, Aaliyah, John Cade, and Sister Brooke Phillips. We're glad uh, that all these... Now, I know that Becca graduated Hope Corps, but I'm just going to pretend like they drove up here to hear me preach today. That's all right. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for your kindness and standing. And uh, I don't want to be redundant, but I do appreciate the opportunity to minister to this good congregation today. Uh, I'll borrow uh, the words from Brother Marler yesterday. I'm opening for Brother Townley, so uh, I understand that, and I'm going to hurry and get out of the way and uh, you are in for a treat when Brother James Townley takes this pulpit. He is my friend, and I'm looking forward. And I, I don't say that lightly. I mean that I am looking forward, Brother Townley, because when you get right here, I'm done. So I'm looking forward to you ministering to us today. Yeah, man, if you have your Bibles, I want to turn your attention uh, to the first epistle of Peter, chapter number one, a couple of verses of Scripture. I'm going to be reading from verses number 18 and 19, the very familiar passages of Scripture. He writing says in verse 18 of the first chapter of the first epistle, says to us, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, But, he says, you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want to talk to us for just a few minutes this morning on this thought. The purchasing power of the blood. The purchasing power of the blood. Would you lift your hands to heaven thank God for the blood? Thank you, Lord. There's power, power, wonder-working power. Hallelujah in the precious blood of the Lamb. 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that you shed for us. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When Peter says that we are redeemed, now I understand where I'm at this morning and how many pastors and evangelists and missionaries and Bible scholars are in the house. And so uh, if you will just uh, release me from trying to uh, prove and qualify everything and just let me preach here for a little while this morning, I certainly would appreciate it. We all understand that this word uh, to redeem just simply means to buy. It means to purchase. Uh, Hence the words uh, silver and gold. They were currency that you could purchase something with. And Peter tells us uh, that we were purchased or we were redeemed with something. Amen. Now, uh, please, again, I'm not going to get into it too deep, but we understand that uh, we as being tripartite beings, that all of us are not redeemed. I'm talking about uh, everything that we are made up of. Our flesh is not redeemed. Amen. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel, the Bible teaches us. Uh, We have the Holy Ghost, and our souls is redeemed in an unredeemed body. In fact, uh, the writer teaches us in the book of Romans, uh, he says that we are awaiting the redemption of the body. And what he's talking about is the rapture. At the rapture of the church, we will receive a glorified body fashioned like unto his glorious body. But that hasn't happened yet, so until the rapture, we have uh, this Holy Ghost in an unredeemed body of flesh. So I said all that to say when Peter says we are redeemed, uh, he's talking about a particular part of us that has been bought. And he's talking about our soul. He said our, our soul has been purchased. Now, having said that, the Bible asks this question. It says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? And the implication is, there is nothing. There is not uh, any one particular thing on this earth that would be of at least equal value of a soul of human, of humanity. Nothing. What would a man give? In exchange for his soul, there is not any one particular thing that would be worth the price of a soul. But then the Bible asks a further question. It goes on, it says, what profit a man if he gained the entire world and lose his own soul? So it's going on to say, uh, not only is there not one thing that's not worth the price of a soul, but it goes on to say, if you got everything in the world together and pooled it all in, that neither is worth the price of one human soul. So consequently this morning, if I wanted to purchase a soul, there is nothing in the world that I could find that would be of enough value to purchase one human soul. Oh, except for one thing that Peter said. There's only one thing that is worth enough to purchase the soul of humanity. And that is the precious, 
that has to do with value. The precious blood of Jesus. For we are not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. Are you thankful for the blood here today? Oh, I hope you don't think it's too grotesque and it's too morbid to talk about and preach about and sing about the blood. I want you to know we are a blood-bought church. Hallelujah. We believe in a blood book. Amen. This Bible is a book of the blood. It has blood flowing through every page. Hallelujah. This book is the only book that says of itself, it is quick or it is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The reason that it's alive is because of the blood that runs through it. The Bible says that the life is in the blood. I want you to know without the blood, our preaching would be just a symbol and a tinkling brass. Without the blood, amen, this Bible would have the same value and the same lifespan of any other book on the shelf. But what gives eternal life to this Word of God is the blood that flows from Genesis to Revelation on every page. This is a gospel of the blood. When they accuse me of preaching a gospel of the blood, I plead guilty. I love the blood. I sing about the blood. I appreciate the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood. There's one primary, a couple actually, that I want to talk about. Primary functions of our blood that courses through our veins in our bodies. And one of the primary functions, and more specifically, the function of the red blood cell is to provide the body with oxygen. And as these red blood cells flow through our bodies, they, they, they go into the lungs, and, and it's at the lungs where they uh, attach to themselves to these little pockets of energy and of strength and of nutrients as the oxygen. And then when these red blood cells leave uh, the lungs, they, they travel through the other parts of the body. And not only do they supply these other tissues and other organs uh, with this, these bits of strength and these bits of nutrients, but also they begin to collect the cellular, cellular trash of the body. These red blood cells move through the entire body and, and they give these little power packs of energy here. And over here they, they collect uh, the ashes of metabolism, the cellular trash, the, the poisons, the carbon dioxides. They pick them up and load them on their shoulders and then they march through to the skin and, and, to, and to the liver and to the kidneys. Uh, so the body can eject these things. Now, I want you to understand that the blood, and you learned this in your high school science class, the blood is the only tissue of the body that is not 
constrained to any one particular part of the body. The blood is the only tissue of the body that is fluid throughout the body and it travels to every member of the body. The blood unifies the body. Now let me talk about His blood just a minute. Paul teaches us, he says, For ye, being many members, make up one body. And we, church, are unified by His blood. Regardless of the different personalities and regardless of the different positions and regardless of the different talents that you have, we all have to say, if it were not for the blood, where would I be? The blood unifies the body. And I want you to know just the same way that the human blood courses fluid throughout the entire body. The blood of Jesus makes its way through his body. And here it gives a little strength. It gives a little faith. It gives a little encouragement. Over here it takes a little shame. It takes a little guilt. It takes a little sin. Working for the perfection of the body. Thank God for the blood. The other primary function of the blood, and more specifically the white blood cells, is this. The white blood cells, in a a normal drop, let me refer to my notes so I don't get it mixed up. When the body is healthy and it's doing good and there's no uh, attack, no foreign attack, no disease, in a normal drop of blood... There are about 5,000 white blood cells per cubic millimeter, which I presume is about the size of a drop of blood. There's about 5,000 of them. But at the first sight of an attack, when anything comes against the body, these white blood cells automatically reproduce themselves That's why when you go and they take your blood, they are looking for white blood cell count to see if you have any disease or anything wrong, any infection in your body. Because when there's an infection, they increase to two to three times the amount in one drop of blood. And when the body has an infection or there's, there's an enemy, there's an attack that comes on the body, these little white blood cells, just like little white staunch soldiers they march fearlessly straight to the attack the very site and i want you to know many of them give their own lives for the perfection and for the healthiness of the body what are you saying brother McClure? they understand it's not about me being in the limelight it's about the healthiness of the church it's not about me looking good it's about him looking good it's not about my talent it's about him No wonder the day David said, am I fearfully and wonderfully made? We're made in His image and in His likeness. The blood of Jesus, as our blood fights for us, 
The blood of Jesus fights for His body. We read in Revelation, Amen, they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The blood of Jesus fights our enemy for us. It fights our adversary. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Amen. When he accuses the body and says, you've done this, you've got these mistakes, you've got that in the past. Amen. Thank God you can stand up and say, wait a minute. I've been washed. I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. The blood fights for us. Amen. I want you to know these, that Moses said in the Old Testament, when he sees not your bank account, not your new shoes, not your new suit, but he said, when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. Oh, it makes me want to sing. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. The Bible said, if we sin, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Him and the blood is fighting for us if we sin. But I want you to know, not only just as the human body, the blood in our bodies fight against present attacks. But it also fights and guards against future attacks. That's why the white blood cells are in your blood. They are preventing a future infection and a future intact. I want you to understand the blood of Jesus does the same thing for his body. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. But should we continue in sin, God forbid. Now, the Old Testament priest... When he offered the sacrifice for sin, the Bible indicates that he took most of the blood and he put it up on the altar to make an atonement for him that had sinned. For his present circumstance, for his present sin, most of the blood was altered upon the altar for his atonement. But then, go back and read it, I believe it's in Leviticus 14. Then the priest, the Bible said he took some of the blood... And he put it up on the tip of his right ear. And then he took some of the blood and he put it up on the thumb of his right hand. And he took some of the blood and he put it on the great toe of his right foot. Now all scholars and all commentaries will agree and tell you that is not for a present circumstance. That is so that in the future that man will hear and obey the word of God. That is so that in the future he will do the word of God. That is so that in the future he will walk circumspectly in all the ways and the commandments of the Lord. I say thank God for the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. Thank God for the blood. (coughs) Now, the Bible teaches us that all men have a common origin in Adam. We all have Adam's blood coursing through our bodies. And because we have 
Adam's blood, the Bible said, for God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell upon the face of the earth. So, regardless of color, culture, and creed, we all have Adam's blood coursing through our veins. And with that blood comes a blood poisoning. Comes the curse of death with Adam's blood. Our blood carries a sentence of death because of Adam's transgression in the Garden of Eden. We all have it. No one is exempt from it. And because we have Adam's blood, we all have this sentence of death. And for this reason, the Bible teaches us that all men will die a common death. Because we have Adam's blood. We have corrupted blood flowing through our veins. Now remember, if the life is in the blood, and we all must die a common death because of the sin of Adam, then I want to submit to you that death is also in the blood. It's in our blood. We have corrupted blood because of the transgression of Adam. Now, we don't, we don't know all about the nature of the sin of eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we do understand that it was so severe that it caused a universal blood poisoning that was carried down from Adam from generation to generation to generation all the way to us in 2014. For the Bible said, in the day that you eat thereof, he said, you shall surely die. And so potent was this blood poisoning that after some 6,000 years, all of us here this morning who are related by human birth to Adam, we succumb to the same sentence of death because of Adam's transgression. We have corrupted blood coursing through our bodies. But the Bible says that we are bought by incorrupted blood. By the blood of Jesus. Now, how can Jesus slip through the cracks? How can this man have incorrupted eternal blood? When all men, for in that one hath sinned, all hath sinned. And it's talking about all the offspring down through the generations of Adam. And we all have corrupted blood. But the Bible teaches us, but we are purchased with incorrupted blood. Now how did, how did the man Christ Jesus do this? How did he slip through the cracks? I'm glad you asked. I was hoping you'd ask that question. I submit to you that it is because he is called by the word of God. The Bible says that he was born of a woman. Jesus, did you know, 
is the only person that the Bible calls the seed of a woman. Everybody else in the entire Bible is called the seed of Adam. But Jesus only is referred to as the seed of a woman. What's the significance, Brother McClure? I'm telling you that the blood of a child that is born of a woman gets its blood from its father. I'll spare you the details, but it's only after the father's uh, contribution to the reproduction process that the blood of this unborn child is formed. And even then, after the formation of the blood that comes from the child's father, his form, it never crosses with the blood of the mother. The mother and the unborn infant share carbohydrates. They share foods. They share all types of nutrients. They share proteins. They share other fluids. But you hear this preacher, not one drop of blood ever crosses from the mother to the baby. The baby gets its blood 100% from its father. The Bible says that Jesus, the Holy Ghost, overshadowed Mary and caused her to conceive. That's why the Bible says we are not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. That's how we're bought. That's how he has eternal blood. Thank God for the blood. When... I'm going to hurry, brother. I don't even know what time it is. When, when Jesus made the atonement for sin, when he rose from the tomb, he ascended. I'm going I'm to just hit the high spots here because I'm, I'm getting ready to, to land this thing. When he, when he rose into heaven, Paul teaches us, in Hebrews, he takes two or three chapters to talk about our high priest. And when he, when he rose from the tomb, he rose as our eternal high priest. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he, I believe, presented the blood in the holy place where, by the way, it's there fighting for us even today. But Paul makes the, he makes a, a specific distinction between this high priest and the Old Testament high priest. He says they had a continuing priesthood. And and what he's saying is that their job was never completed. He said they had a a continuing priesthood. and, and, And he even says in one place they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. In other words, what Paul was saying was uh, before they got the job done, they died. They were not suffered to continue by reason of death. They never saw it finished. They never saw the completed work. They never got the job done. That's why Paul goes into talking about our eternal high priest when he presented the blood in the holy place. He had an everlasting priesthood. Now, it's interesting to note when you study about that Old Testament priest and all the functions and all the performances that he did, you read about the Lord's Ark, the furnishings of the tabernacle. 
You read about a candlestick. You read about uh, the Ark of the Covenant. You read about a table even. But there's no chair. Why is there no chair? Simply because of what I've been talking to you about. Because Paul said there was never a time to say it's finished. It's over with. They have a, a continuing priesthood. Their job was never done. Why? Because it was done with corrupted blood. There was a table. There was an ark. There was, there was all these things. But there was no chair. Because he was never complete. But we read about our eternal high priest. The writer said, but this man. After that, he offered one sacrifice for sin forever. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? Because he was saying, it is finished. You've been bought. I purchased my bride. I purchased the church with incorrupted blood. For by one offering have he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Oh, thank God for the blood. Stand with me. We are entering into a, a modern time when preaching about the blood is too morbid and too grotesque. I hope we never get there. We're a church of the blood. This is a gospel of the blood. We believe in the book of the blood. I want you to know the blood's mentioned 700, over 700 times from Genesis to Revelation. It's filled, it's saturated with blood. And then not only that, when we visualize the redeemed throng in heaven according to Revelation, according to John the Revelator, when he, when he visualizes that redeemed throng in heaven, he says, they sang a new song. They didn't sing about keeping the law. They didn't sing about their talents. They didn't sing about the fishes and the loaves. They didn't sing about him walking on the water. They sung a new song. And this is the song that they sang. For thou art worthy. For thou hast redeemed us unto God. By thy blood. Out of every kindred. And every tongue. And every people. And every nation. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood saved me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood saved me. Sing it with me. Well, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. the blood come on sin oh I know it was your blood I know it was the blood I know it was the blood saved me one day when I was lost he died upon the cross I know it was the blood <laughs>